wait every year. Pastor Campbell comes. I've always, people have, when's he come? When's he come? He's here. We had a great morning this morning. He's he ministered all around the world. Been my pastor for 30 years. And uh, so let's give him a hand as he comes tonight. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Wonderful to be back with you uh, this evening. It's always a privilege to preach the gospel. Amen. You can do a lot of things in life. Uh, and um, Roy Sablowski was on staff with me uh, for about nine years. And uh, I knew him. He was, he was a case when he come in and got saved. He, he was a Dallas Cowboy fan. <laughs> and this was back in the day, you know, uh, he come in and uh, he didn't hardly wear shoes. And he had these shorts on and this wild Hawaiian shirt. He was had this low rider, you know, it danced when he came in. And uh, when Dallas was playing, I'd look at him, he'd always have this earphone, and he's hearing the, the Dallas Cowboys while I was preaching. <coughs> but uh, he got saved, went on, uh, him and Isabel, I had the privilege of marrying him, and went on into the ministry. He was missionary in Malaysia, a lot of places. But from his uh, drug days and everything, his kidneys were shot. And so uh, he uh, began to have dialysis and a lot of things. And, and he began to, uh, his kidneys were functioning like 2%. And so I'd been to the hospital with him. He just tired, tired of all the dialysis. And, and you know, you used to lay there for hours uh, trying to cleanse your kidneys. And he said, I just want to go home. So uh, they called in the family. It was interesting. I was actually in Prescott Conference. I left conference to be with him, um, James Rosario, myself, uh, to be with him the last few hours of his life. And I'm there in the hospital. They gave him one more blood transfusion. The Bible says the life is in the blood. And I want to tell you that's true. He popped back to life. And so we had about an hour and we're talking. All he wanted to talk about was his experiences and memories with God and people. And it's like God whispered to me, that's life. All the other stuff, there's a lot of things we do in life. But at the end of the day, and that's what Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, body, mind, soul, and spirit, and your neighbor as yourself. We laughed. We, I'm, we had, you don't understand a lot of times you're out there, but the pastoring is a wild ride. And we're laughing about these experiences. One time this couple came in, you know, and they were, they were shacking up, living together, and they'd been coming a few months. We said, hey, that's not going to fly here. You guys need to get married somewhere along the way, amen. And uh, we're pressing them to get married. And then I'm looking at them one day, and I, I said, Roy, uh, they both got Adam's apples. There's something wrong here, amen. <laughs> And we're just laughing, you know. We had a lot of discernment, amen. I mean, we, can you imagine we'd have married them? It had been in the trumpet throughout the whole fellowship, you know. But uh, uh, listen, there's, uh, it's a, life is a wild ride, amen. And if I could say anything to you, love God and love people. Because at the end of the day, uh, that's it. Uh, thank you, Pastor. So appreciate you, Mona, your kids and grandkids and family and all of you and you. Many of you have known many, many years. Thank you for your faithfulness. 
we were talking with Andrew. Uh, back in the day, we used to hoop, man. I'd come over here and hoop. Used to love to play basketball. And uh, Pastor Tory Williams, you know, Tory got saved. And, and uh, we played basketball on, on Monday. We went to the Y. This was number, I was probably maybe in my 60s. And uh, and I'm screaming at him, get that ball, you know. And I mean, you know, you I played with them, uh, and uh, we're we're laughing uh, uh, about some of the memories. And he's saying, is that that same old white man that was preaching last night? <laughs> <laughs> and so the court was another world. But anyway, uh, thank God for you. Thank God for you this evening. If you have your Bible. Uh, Psalms 35. I was so moved this morning, uh, the presence of God and uh, seemed to touch a chord. And so I want to kind of follow up with it. There was a movie a number of years ago called Schindler's List. And it was a true story about Oscar Schindler. This movie received seven Academy Awards. And what he did, he saved more than 1,200 Jews from the Nazi camps in Germany. And from that 1,200 people, today there's more six, there's 6,000 descendants living in the U.S. He spent his last penny, he risked his life to save 1,200 Jews from the death camps. He decided by his testimony, his biography, to risk everything in a desperate attempt to save mother, fathers, and children. He bribed, he fought, he begged for their lives. They say he succeeded where no one would have believed it possible. 1960s, they invited him to Israel to honor him, and they planted a tree on the avenue of the righteous in his memory. There's a song, Rescue Me, a Christian song a couple years ago. I don't know if you've heard it or not. But I want to I preach tonight a message I've entitled, Rescue Me. Because somewhere in life, even save living for God, you will need to be rescued. Psalms 35, 17, David, this man who killed a giant. Psalms 35, 17. Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me from their destructions. My precious life from the lions. Father, we come tonight by the blood of Jesus. God, I pray that again tonight you bind up the brokenhearted, set at liberty those that are bruised, open prison doors to those who are bound. God, I pray the gospel forever be preached to the poor. I pray tonight, Lord, minister to your people. Give them a revelation, God, of who you are. You are the God who rescues. We thank you for these people, all you're doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to think with me about the cry to be rescued. In this psalm, David is in a desperate place. 
that demands outside help. In other words, this psalm, most scholars say, was written during David's life when he's on the run from King Saul. He's a fugitive. He's being hunted by Saul's army like an animal. He's driven. He's in constant peril. There's pressure on every side. They are hunting him. Israel is a small country. I've been there a few times. Psalms 35.4 Let those be put to shame and brought to dishonor who seek after my life. Let those be turned back and brought to, to confusion who plot my hurt. Most scholars think this is the record of 1 Samuel chapter 24. David and his men, they're hiding from King Saul. They're in a cave in the wilderness of En Gedi. He's a fugitive, as I said. He's exhausted. He's driven. So he wakes up and he looks out of the cave and here are 3,000 of Saul's chosen army. They're camped outside. Psalms 35, 8. Let his net that he has hidden catch himself in the very destruction let him fall. Life has caught you. Surrounded you. There seems to, you're in a cave, there evidently is one entrance, one exodus, and here's 3,000 Soldiers that want to take your life. Life, sometimes you feel cut off, uh, caught up, uh, snared, the Bible term. Uh, in 1 Samuel 24, 15, which is about this psalm, uh, Therefore let the Lord be judged, judge between you and me, see and plead my case, and deliver, rescue me out of the hand. Sometimes you find yourself trapped um, and your decisions have brought you there. There are people here trapped in relationships, trapped by your past. I pray for people and they can't seem to escape their past. The problem with pain, pain seems to have the loudest voice and the longest memory in life. When I was a boy, I mentioned this morning, I was raised in the country, and uh, uh, there was this neighboring farmer. He had these old plow horses, and his name was Mr. Hart, and uh, we'd go over there, we'd ride them. They're not riding horses, I mean, you know. We had no saddles, we had no bridles, uh, and we'd take these what we call seagrass strings, and we'd make a bridle, and we'd capture these workhorses, and we'd ride them. And, you know, in those days, back in the, the movies, you know, you know, everybody wanted to be a cowboy, I guess. And so I'm going to be this superstar. I'm behind my friend. We're going to go under this tree, and we're riding this old horse, and I'm going to reach up and grab it, and he's going to go on, and I'm going to be a superstar. Problem, I raised up, and the tree hit me right here. <laughs> I went off the back. I got up. My arm was like this. We are probably a half mile from home. time I got home and time they got my dad... And we got to the doctor. He was a horse doctor. 
Uh, I mean, his office was in his house. I mean, we're talking country. And those days, we're not talking about shot. He's trying to give me ether. And I'm fighting, you know. I, I don't want to take it. And my mom's there. The doctor's there. His wife's there. My older brother's there. And my dad's there. And I can still hear my dad today. Just set the bone. My brother grabbed me. I mean, it's like this. And I can still hear that doctor pulling and that bone scraping. Pain has a long memory. <laughs> if you have somebody hit you, just, I mean, just catch you. My nose is flat on one side. They tried to straighten it. And uh, uh, I was in the Navy at the time. And this old doctor, I went in. I've gotten a fight. And my nose is broken. It's laying on my cheek. And he had this young intern. He didn't know nothing about nothing. I think he, I was drunk, you know. He's wanting him to practice on me. And he just pressing on it, you know. He just pressing and he just popped back and I'm, oh, I'm, I'm out of it. And this old doctor got, let me show you crack and boom. I can still remember it. That was 1963. Pain. Everyone, as I mentioned, somewhere, sometime, you'll need to be rescued. Sometimes it's from your own bad decisions. Jonah, you know the book of Jonah. He's on a run from God. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. He said, oh, I'm going to Tarshish. And he runs right into a storm. And you know the story, they throw him overboard, all of this, and he's in swallowed by a huge fish, and he calls out to God, and God rescues him from his own bad decision. Sometimes it's other people. I mentioned this morning, Joseph, his family sold him as a slave. Sometimes it's because of the gospel, Peter and the apostles uh, they're cast into prison because they're preaching. Paul and Silas in prison singing courses unto God. And God sent an earthquake and rescued them. Sometimes it's demonic. Think about David. He killed a giant and yet needed to be rescued. Sometimes in your history you have this great powerful conquering moment delivering moment and yet down the road you find yourself life's trapped you caught you closed in on you sometimes it's up here some of the greatest prisons are up here sometimes it's an addiction sometimes it's your past as I mentioned uh, but it, here at Romans 6, 6, talks about demonic bondage, uh, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Curses, family curses. I mentioned this morning the Martinez's, like a curse of death on them. Nephew, we, I mentioned this morning Barry and Johnny Mart, Martinez, uh, wimpy. And uh, this guy, DJ, he's tattooed. His whole head is tattooed. His eyelids are tattooed. And he got out of prison. He's, he's on fire for God, but he, he can airbrush. Guess what Johnny's coffin was? Boston Celtics. I mean, that green, well, the emblem, everything. 
And uh, DJ did that. Um, but here is a nephew. Here's a nephew of Martinez. He's with his girlfriend. He's like 27, maybe, maybe 30 years old. And she upset him, and he's just driving crazy. I mean, running red lights and just crazy. They're, they're drinking, and bam, she survived. We just had his funeral. He carried his cousin Johnny, and now he's walking out. The, they're carrying him out the same doors like a curse on the family. My family, tragic deaths in my family. And I won't give you all the histories, but just horrible deaths in my family. Sometimes family, there's these curses like that track you in life. That's very painful. And, it's, and listen, you get saved and sometimes that curse will come tracking you. And you need to be aware of that. You need to plead the blood over that. You need to cast that down. Got a mother in our church. I'll mention her daughter maybe later. Powerfully converted. She spent 10 years in prison. Both of her sons are doing life in prison. Life. No parole. No. Curse. Sometimes it's a curse of poverty. Sometimes it's a curse of, of illegitimate children. I have women in my church. Every, every woman in their family, they, they all got illegitimate kids. Others, divorce. I got, I got people in our church, and your pastor knows. My, I mean, they're, they're, divorce is just, con Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. They think that's normal. Amen. I got guys, they get married, they're saved. We delivered from drugs. But they want to recreate Jerry because that's home. Hey, I feel good there. <laughs> I told you pastoring is exciting. You ought to try it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Added to David's dilemma, and many times to all of us, will we trust God to rescue us? Or will I try to rescue myself? This was the internal battle in the cave. You know the story. It inspired this Psalm 35. King Saul comes into the cave to relieve himself. You know the story. And he, as he's relieving himself, uh, David and his men are in the cave. And his men are saying, this is God. God has delivered him into your hand. Kill him, David. What an opportunity. Stop this nonsense. And David wouldn't do it. What he did, he took his blade and cut off a piece of Saul's garment. But the temptation to rescue yourself, take it into your hands sometimes, is a powerful mistake. He cut off the corner of his garment and he was convicted where do you run to when you need to be rescued? Do you run to God or do you run to your flesh? Do you run to the world? Do you run to the wrong people? It's one of our biggest problems, we run to the wrong people when we're desperate and in need and they can't help you. We run to a comfort zone. There's a reason they call it comfort food. Amen. I got the COVID bulge. I weighed more than I've ever weighed in all my life. Um, 
But in 2002, Hill and Rosa Cota, they came back from Mexicali for redirection in Chandler. As they came back, he was offered employment in San Diego with a company out of Calexico for $40 an hour to be a superintendent. They're building like crazy all across the Southwest. He came to me, Pastor, what? I said, it's not a good idea. Who knows what God will do if you stay here? God rescued him. You know the story, Hill and Rosa Cota. They went to Dominican Republic. Today, this incredible move of God in Dominican Republic. They planted churches in Cuba and Panama. Not only that, Hill's son Nathan married Pastor Martinez's uh, daughter, Kayla. They're in Houston, Texas today. Emily married Josh. Uh, uh, they got a great future. Samuel, the youngest one of them, is in church. And all of this God rescued because they ran to God, not to the world. Yes, yes. What about you? The Old Testament. Naomi, her husband, they leave Bethlehem. Leave the will of God in a time of crisis. Their sons, Malon and Chilion, married Ruth and Orpha. The father dies, both of the sons die. And you know the story. Naomi, she looks at these two young girls and she tells them, go back to your gods. Go back to your people. Go back to where you're comfortable. And Orpha returns, and you never hear from her again. But Ruth, Ruth said, no, 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 no. Your God will be my God. Where you dwell, I will dwell. Uh, those, I'm going to plant my life with you. And you know what happened? There's a book in the Bible with her name on it. Because she trusted God and didn't run to the comfort of this world or the place of this world. In Psalms 35, David, plead my cause, O Lord. Verse 9, and my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. You see, the internal crisis of rescue. In the, when we need to be rescued, our life is in many times such confusion. Our emotions are jumping all over the place. Uh, and so internally, there's a pool cue. You miss cue if you're not careful. Uh, you can't think clearly. Your mind is tormented. In this song, it portrays this truth. Uh, maybe you heard it, Rescue Me, a few years ago. And the problem when you need to be rescued, what was once so foundational, what was once so solid in your spirit, uh, your faith never questioning, uh, uh, no hesitation, but now confusion. Now it's like you feel so hopeless, despair, the pain. In that song it says you're not hopeless Hopelessness means when there's no more expectations. Nothing's ever going to change. There's not going to be any recovery for me. 
I'm stuck here. Despair begins to set in. We turn our back on hope. We cast faith to the ground. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.8, we are not perplexed. We are not in despair. We're not, and you read about his life. He was beaten, left for dead, uh, shipwrecked, snake bitten, imprisoned. Uh, I mean, the list go. He's naked in prison. Uh, his clothing, I mean, all of this happening, beaten everywhere he preached almost. They beat him or drove him out of the city. And yet he said, but we've not lost hope. Uh, Verse 416 of 2 Corinthians, Therefore, we do not lose heart. People walk in my office. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at young people today. I mean, you can read the statistics on suicide. It's off the charts on young people. I was in a Bible conference a few years ago. Probably maybe a thousand people. And yeah, it's a Bible conference. Many of you have been to Bible conference. And God's whispering me, pray for people who have suicidal thoughts. And I'm in my mind, I'm arguing, well, God, this is a Bible conference. What do you mean suicide? And finally, it was so strong, I had everybody bow their head. The altars are filled. And I said, those of you who have thoughts of suicide, lift your hand. hundred probably hands went up and probably... 70, 80% of them, it was all young people. I have young people come in my office. I had a young lady, she was the daughter of this woman I mentioned a while ago, spent 10 years in prison. When her mother went to prison, she was 13 and she went to the streets. Now 10 years later, her mom gets out of prison. And you know, it's, it's, they're estranged. But her mom's trying to love her. Mom got saved. Uh, she's invited her to church. Said, Pastor, Pastor, tonight, Sunday night. Said, my daughter's coming. Think of this. She went to the streets when she was 13. Now she's probably 24, 25 years old. She's a mess. She's strung out bad. She, she, I mean, I'm watching her. Sir, she's, her teeth, teeth are clicking, you know, and, and, and she's, she's hyping all over the place. She came to the altar and she's bouncing all over the place right over in this part of the altar I went over I said you foul demon spirit of addiction I cast you out the blood of Jesus set you free boom but she looked at me and said pastor is there any hope for me is there any hope for me today she's married has a baby Listen, there's hope. You can't listen. God is a God of hope and miracles. Uh, in that song, it says, there is no distance that cannot be covered. You are not hidden. One of the dynamics, again, is when you need to be rescued, you think nobody sees you. No one knows. And worse than that, sometimes no one cares. Terms rescued many times are associated with people. They, they feel forsaken. They feel lost. Remember a few years ago, the Chaldean mines, remember these men were trapped for 69 days, buried alive. Uh, 
and all the family, they had this camp up on top. Uh, you remember the story, actually the U.S., I think the military maybe even went down and rescued them, drilled down and got them. And 69 days they were underground. But up on top, this family built a camp and they called it Camp Hope. Listen, there's, God has a Camp Hope for you. In that song, it says, there's never been a moment you were forgotten. You're not abandoned. The thought, nobody even thinks about me. I don't exist anymore in their mind. Job, in his time of great trial, Job 19, 14, my relatives have failed me. My closest friends have forgotten me. David wrote this psalm and other psalms, Psalms 10, 11. He said in his heart, God has forgotten. He hides his face and he will never see. Psalms 31, 12, David, I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. You ever broke a dish? My wife the other day broke my favorite coffee cup. But you know, she didn't blink. She just threw it in the trash. I mean, it's broken. It's forgotten, overdone. I mean, that, hey, that was my favorite cup. I've been drinking coffee out of that for years. It just crashed, gone. And, and, and that's what David, you know, that's, that's kind of what we feel sometimes. When we get trapped in these places, we feel like not only are we forsaken, but we're forgotten. Not only do people not realize what we're going through, they don't think about us. This is what David is saying. No one hears my cry. No one hears my prayer. God, God, what's the use of even praying? Time passes. God, don't you hear me? This psalm in verse 17, Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue me. Verse 22, O Lord, do not be far from me. That song, I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. Whisper. The problem when you need to be ready, this is a person that's exhausted, can't barely talk. God, do you, God, do you even hear me? My prayer, God. It's not, you know, sometimes you just feel the Holy Ghost and the sir. That's not, God, God, where are you? Where, where people that are supposed to love me? God says, I hear you whisper underneath your breath. The song goes on. God says, I hear you say, I have nothing left. Psalms 35, 13, David the same. says, my clothes were sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting and my prayer would return to my own heart. O oh Lord, do not 
keep silent. Is that you this evening? Is that you? You be, you're praying and praying and praying. I have people come to me. I mean, sometimes marriage can seem like hell. I mean, just talking real to you. People come to him, Pastor, I keep praying. I keep praying for him. I keep praying. And he gets worse. Pastor, I don't know what happened to her. Once was in church. Worship. I don't know what happened to her. Let me close tonight a God who rescues. It says, I will never stop watching in the middle of the darkness. Night is true, but I will rescue you is the song. No distance that cannot be covered over and over, I will rescue you. I will rescue you. I will send out an army. Find you in the middle of the darkness. Night is true, but I will rescue you. Bible's filled with this truth of a God who rescues. Think about the man at the tomb of Gadarenes. Beyond talking about Walmart blast. What if the man at the tomb of Gadarenes lived there? I mean, nobody him. He's naked. Amen. A legion of demons. They chained him and he broke the chain. Ain't no family. He's living in a graveyard. What if he's in Walmart? What about the woman at the well? Would you let your husband go witness to her? She'd been married five times and the man she's living with. <laughs> I'm just being real with you. Amen. <laughs> Jesus is too much, ain't he? He's too much. He, he said, I got an appointment with this woman. And the disciples come back. What, what's he doing? But she won a whole city. She's the key to the whole city coming out. Think about the man at the tomb of Gadarenes. He ran to Jesus, fell at his feet. Fell at his feet. Broken, needed rescuing, and Jesus didn't turn his back. He rescued him. This man, you follow him. He reaches the ten cities of Decapolis. You find it in the book of Acts. He brought a revival to ten cities. You may come in those doors tonight. And I know you're looking good, amen. You, you put on your good face, amen. But, but amen, we, we bring a lot of issues come through those doors. But listen, God, God rescues people. And many times we give up on God reaches out and loves people that we think they're unlovable. Maybe you think that about yourself. Uh, the Bible's filled. Daniel's in the lion's den. They think it's over finished. But King Daenerys, Daniel 6.25, he is the living God. He delivers and rescues he works signs and wonders in heaven and on the earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? He rescued the prodigal son. 
He can rescue you tonight. He's the God. You can't forget this. Uh, He's the God who rescues and he'll never forsake you nor abandon you. AJ, I mentioned her this morning, black girl, came in in 1989, got powerfully saved. Her brother John, been in our church for many years. John Johnson, his son, uh, Jason, our song leader, married to Joy, some of you remember uh, 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 Joy. And she's, or I'm sorry, Joy is Jason's sister. Joy's married uh, and to Junior, who was Mikhail's son, Mikhail and Ray's son. You remember him, used to be here. But, but uh, AJ, 10 rehab programs, Washington, D.C., young son named Nick, father of the boy, prison. Nick never knew his father. John, pleading with her, come, come to Arizona, listen, sis, come on, God will help you. This is 1989. She came out to D.C., or from D.C., she got powerfully saved, delivered from drugs, alcohol, all kinds of craziness. She got this, this baby boy, just small. She's in our church. She needs a job. She needs to take care of herself. And uh, Miss Eunice said, um, AJ says, uh, I'll, I'll help you get a job. She says, says, says she said, Miss Eunice, I, I don't have a car. I don't have a driver's license. I don't have nothing. I got, I got a baby. She said, hey, listen to me. She said, I'll, I'll take you. I'll help you find a job. She said, well, what about Nick? She said, uh, I'll watch him. So how you? How am I going to get to her? She said, I'll take you for nine months. Every morning, she'd go pick up AJ, take her to work. She babysitted the baby for nothing. Little boy, actually, little, little guy. She'd go pick her up from work for nine months. AJ, this young black girl from D.C., Eunice, this old white lady from Hillbilly, Texas. I'm not talking about Houston and Dallas. I'm talking about country Texas. And, and nothing in common. Nothing in common. Listen, you know, God uses his church to rescue people. Think about Eunice. She's deceased now. She's went on to be with the Lord. But A.J., A.J. has been with my wife and I, A.J., her brother, Jason, different ones, Cynthia, many of you know Cynthia White. They've been with my wife and I, wrapping around the world. A.J.'s been to Africa, South Africa. She's been to Dominican. She's been to Malaysia. She's been to India. She's been to China. You should have seen her getting those Chinese folks to slide. Slide. I mean, you know, they, they, them folks are rigid, man. Oh, it was hilarious. But think of this Eunice, this, this older white lady. She, you know, you never know when you rescue. When you rescue somebody, you're not just rescuing them from, for the moment, but you're rescuing a destiny. 
AJ, man, I'm telling you, I love the girl. I mean, years down the road now. I may have told you probably a couple years ago, I haven't been here in a while. I saw her, she losing weight. And I thought maybe she was sick. I went up to her in the prayer room. I said, hey, AJ. I said, girl, I said, are you okay? Are you, are you all right, man? You, you. He said, Pastor, I've been fasting. Well, I'm a pastor. I ask questions. Some people fast spinach. Don't mean nothing, you know. <laughs> um, you know, <clears throat> I'm fasting spam. But she said, I said, how long? She said, 20 days. I said, well, almost water only. I said, girl, you be bad. You bad, girl. You, you bad more than a rap, amen. You bad to the bone. But you know what? She inspired. Next thing you know, man, people are coming up to me. They're fasting. She started these prayer meetings in our church, man. I'm talking about 100, 150 people praying and fasting. And our services exploded for God. Eunice, this young girl, nothing like her, said, I, I love you. I love you and your boy. I'll take you to work. I'll babysit. I'll come and get you. I'll help you. She had no clue. She might have been rescuing the key to a revival. A move of God. And it's not over. What about you? Do you have an eye for people that they're broken? They're lonely. They're hurting. They're desperate. It's so easy after we're saved a while to get comfortable. We have our friends. The life's good. Many times we, you know, we got, we got our life. But listen, listen, listen. This is the heart of God. Jesus, I almost say it before every time I preach. He came, Luke 42. When they asked him about his ministry, he said, I came. This is why I came, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those that are bruised. You ever been bruised? It limits you. You ever bruised, sprained an ankle, or bruised yourself? Now you're limited in life. That's what, and there's emotional bruises. There's a lot of bruises besides physical. And then he said, I came to open prison doors to those who are bound. If you want ministry, that's it right there. I came to preach the gospel to the poor, heal the sick, raise the dead, rescue me, rescue me, rescue me. I ask you to bow your head with me this evening. You're here tonight before we do anything else. You're not saved. You're not right with God. You're lost. Um, staggering through life like I was. Running, chasing this and that. Only to have it disappear in your hands. You're here tonight. And you feel, you feel God. You feel the grace of God. You feel the love of God. You feel the conviction, I, I need to pray, I need to change. I need to be born again. 
I need to get my heart right. I'm backslidden. You're at you this evening before we do anything else. You'd say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. That's me. That's me in this place tonight. You'd lift your hand. You'd lift your hand. That's me. That's me. 